Welcome to The Dog Show with Julie Forbes, an evolved perspective on life with dogs. Well, it's all Welcome to The Dog Show with Julie Forbes. Great to be here today, as always. I'm excited to welcome the queen of Seattle radio, Jody Brothers. That's generous. Very generous, Julie. I'd say it's accurate. Thank you. Yeah. Um, you've been on various stations around the city for years. It's true. Yeah. It's true. You get fired, and then you get rehired, <laughs> and then you get fired again, and then you get rehired. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. And I always am happy to hear your voice on the radio. Thank you. That's very kind of you. Yeah, you must like, be up early. It's like, oh, there. That's Jody. I always enjoy listening to you. Thank you. I very much appreciate that. This is so fun to be in here with you. Great. We're just getting started, mm-hmm. too. So I know that you are super passionate about dogs. I am. Love it. So we're going to be talking a lot about that. Cool. And um, first, I wanted to say that we have a mutual friend, Danielle. Yes. Mm-hmm. And she says hi. Oh, good. And I wanted to send a shout out to her and her Shih Tzu. Oh, her Shih Tzu. <laughs> yeah. Adorable Shih Tzu. Yeah. You guys are in that dance cult. What's up, girl? Mm-hmm. Yes, Studio 206. I don't know what's up with that dance cult, but you guys are all freaks. We love it. Yeah. Urban dance. I have never seen so many people be so engaged in one sort of extracurricular activity. Yeah. And you're all just like, come to the dance class. And I'm like, I'm definitely not going to the dance class. Yeah. But you love it. You and I know like four people that you dance with. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm not a dancer. Mm-hmm. I'm more of a sit, sit kind of girl. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So Danielle and I connected at happy hour through dance class. Mm-hmm. It was the first time we chatted. And of course, it was the Shih Tzu that brought us together initially. And then as the wine kept pouring, we were just laughing. And then we were, all, and then we were talking about Paula Abdul, which was my first concert. Yeah. I cried. Very charismatic. Because you were so excited? Yes. I was in like seventh or eighth grade. I did think. you see her recently when she came through the key arena? No. Oh, that's but a shame. Some of those girls did. Yeah. She was actually kind of amazing. If by amazing, <laughs> you mean like being lifted up into the air and carried around the stage and then put over here. Like Mariah. M- not as bad as Mariah. Not okay. as lazy as Mariah. <laughs> okay. But there weren't a lot of moves from Paula. It was a mm. lot of being carried around and set down mm. in various places. It's okay. It's totally okay. Yeah. Yeah, I can't dance. You're a thing, girl. And she changed like six times. And she looked great. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so Danielle says hi, and I want to say what's up to her, too. Mm-hmm. What's up to the whole fam? What's up? Yeah. Um, so I'm curious to know. All right. So you have this connection, a real strong connection with dogs. Yeah, very. And did you have a family dog growing up? Hmm. Um, so I was one of those kids who didn't have a dog and my parents were both born in Brooklyn and didn't know anything about animals and didn't care about animals. And I was born obsessed with dogs. Mm. I used to go to people's houses and pet their dog. I used to knock on my neighbor's dog, uh, doors. Could I come play with your dog? Until finally my parents relented and got me a dog when I was nine. Mm. Uh, I got a West Highland white haired terrier. Yeah. Uh, from a breeder in Staten Island. I never will forget. We got to drive, took a ferry in the mm-hmm. middle of nowhere and, uh, and I got to pick out a dog from a litter. Wow. Yeah, because they didn't know anything about rescues. I don't, who even knows what was going on back then? It was a really long time ago. Mm-hmm. So I had a Westie, and her name was Misty, mm-hmm. as all nine-year-olds will name their dogs. Mm-hmm. And she was a wonderful dog, and I loved her. And I've been obsessed with dogs just my entire life. Just makes so much sense to me. The yeah. most wonderful companions. Yeah. Yeah. Do you know how long dogs and people have been living together? Tell me. 
the most the most widely accepted number among scientists confidently is 40,000 years. Makes sense. But it's possible some say more than 100,000 years, but like for sure 40,000 years. It absolutely makes sense. For as long as dogs have been around, <clears throat> why wouldn't they want to hang out with us? I mean, I I think it's a deal breaker for me in a relationship with a person or even like a friendship existence. You can't be ambivalent about dogs. You must love them. Well, people aren't really, in your book, allowed to walk around the neighborhood unless they have you a dog. You saw that. <laughs> Look, all I'm saying is <laughs> I, I'm, I walk my dogs around the neighborhood a lot. And whenever I see people walking, I always wonder, where's that guy going? Yeah. Like he's got no dog. If you're walking by yourself, I'm not saying at Alki or Lincoln Park or at Green Lake. I know people walk for exercise or somewhere to get somewhere. But my neighborhood's not really close to anything. There's no walkable restaurants or grocery stores. It's just houses. It's like kind of a, you know, white center, West Seattle area, and there's not much to walk to. And if you're walking down the street, I just, I give you two looks if you don't have a dog. I don't know. Have you ever walked without a dog? When was the last time you walked without a dog? Like to get to the light rail or to, uh, if, if I had to drop my car off at the mechanic, who's like a half a mile away. But that's like not often. It feels weird to it me. Does fe- I'm, it does. I feel, weird. I'm like, here I am, like walking down, I don't, you know, MLK. Right. Might as well have a dog with me. Like I'll take my son who's six to the nearby uh, schoolyard to play basketball. And of course I bring the dogs with me because I'm walking somewhere outside. Why wouldn't I bring a dog? I don't know. I mean, I know that not everybody has a dog. I know it's ridiculous, but yes. You get two looks from me if you're in my neighborhood walking around without a dog. Yep. Well, one of our things that we say pretty much every show is what a great day to take your dog for a walk. Absolutely. Yeah. But don't think about going for a walk unless you have a dog, because why would you? Why? Where are you going? Yeah. <laughs> I was at Seward Park a few weeks ago, and a couple had their two cats with them. Ah. And I that gives that got a multiple looks and actually a photo and then posted, because um, I'm like... I don't know. Like, it's not that I'm against it, but it's just like, well, but there's, you know, off-leash dogs, for yeah. example. And the cats were kind of like, the cats aren't just walking like dogs would on leash. The cats are just kind of holding still. Yeah. Like, I, I don't know. What's your theory about cats on leashes? I feel like they never look like they're enjoying themselves. I don't care what their owners say. I don't think that they're really meant to be on leash. I know, right? I mean, leashes aren't natural anyway, but it is kind of, I've never seen a cat like, I'm walking on leash. This is great. I know how. Yeah. Yeah. I totally agree. Yeah. Like, let's go. Okay. And then the cat, you know. Mm-hmm. I often have my dogs off leash at Sarah Park. I'm a bad person. Well, we'll have to edit that part out. Are you going to chastise me? They can come and get me. No, I'm not. Good. I appreciate that because that is a glorious park to have little dogs running around. Yeah. Well, um, so you had a Westie was your first mm-hmm. dog. Yep. Misty. Mm-hmm. And then you, and you were nine. Uh-huh. So... How old did she live to be? She was 17 when she okay. passed. Okay. I was long in college at that point. Mm. And my first dog was Murphy that I got when I got my first radio job. And I realized I was going to be put, staying put instead of going back to New York City. I would have gotten a dog much sooner. I thought I was going to be living in New York City. And I don't know about having a dog in New York City. I just don't think that's fair. I know a lot of people do. I know there's ways to do it. But I didn't think that that would be appropriate for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, because I picture myself as more of a yard person. But yeah, I've always had one or two or three dogs since I was 21. And I realized that I was going to be a yard person. Mm-hmm. Yeah, one, two or three. Sometimes four, but that was just for a little while. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And what kind of dog was Murphy? 
Murphy was a, uh, I guess you would call her like a Heinz 57. She was a brown mutt, had that the beautiful mascara-looking eyes where it looks like they're wearing eyeliner mascara. Mm-hmm. Regular brown dog. They thought that she was a, you know, some sort of bloodhound mix, but she 100% was not. She was a beagle something, something, something. Mm. And she was a fantastic dog. Was she little? She was uh, like 35, 40 pounds. Yeah. And when I moved from Columbus, Ohio, where I was living uh, after college, to Seattle for my first radio job in yeah. 2000, yeah. I came with uh, my dog, Murphy. And I also had a cat at that point named Bono. Uh-huh. And Murphy was an amazing companion to move across country with. And she lived until she was 12 and sadly uh, spent the last year of her life with stomach cancer. Mm. Yeah. And I treated her. And uh, now my son doesn't have enough money to go to college. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which brings up Frankie's Friends, which is an organization we were talking about that uh, helps people, helps families pay for vet expenses. Yeah. Uh, which is a great a great focus of a nonprofit organization, I think. Oh, it's fantastic. I mean, I, I had the money to yeah. treat her, yeah. but it was a lot. Yeah. And a lot of times people don't have a choice. You see people putting up GoFundMe accounts all the time for mm-hmm. their vet bills, and yeah. that's sad, and that sucks. And Frankie's mm-hmm. Friends looks to help out with that. There's mm-hmm. actually a... a cool event next Thursday at the Georgetown Ballroom. If you're not doing anything, I'm hosting. I I will be a day after surgery. Oh. Otherwise, I'd totally be there. Oh, all right. Fair enough. Yeah. All right. I accept. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> I'm not making it up either. No, you can't make up surgery. No, what if can't. I came and checked on you? <laughs> I know. Then what? Yeah. You'd be like, ow, ow. Mm-hmm. You'd have to fake it. Yeah. And then I'd insist on seeing a scar and a, and then and a bill. And busted. Yeah, you'd be busted. <laughs> yeah. It'd be bad for you. Yeah. Um. So do you, you said you treated for, because, you know, cancer is so, manifests in so many different ways. Yeah. And I've actually um, talked with a a number of people who have been through it. And my first dog, when I, who I got when I was 20, who I moved out here with, Mm. and then he lived to be 12 also. Oh, wow. He had um, hemangiosarcoma. Mm-hmm. the treatment, like, do you have regrets with treatment, like, where you're like, oh, I don't know, because I've heard people say that before. Like, I felt like maybe this would help, but then it didn't. But then in other cases, people are able to get years more, you know, with their dogs. In this case, my vet was, or the vet, the oncologist that I went to, the veterinary oncologist, was spot on. Mm. Um, and I put all my trust in him, which may have been a bad idea or a good idea. In this case, it was a good idea. But he said, look, she might be able to live another year. You probably won't get more than that. Mm -hmm. And I feel like with this treatment protocol, which was, um, you know, prednisone and then every other Wednesday she went in for chemo. Mm -hmm. He was like, I feel like she could actually have a pretty decent life. Mm -hmm. And if you suspect that she's not having a pretty decent life, then we'll explore, explore other options. And I thought, you know what? That's a plan I can get with. Yeah. Because the the fear for us, those of us who have dogs and cats that we love, is that they're going to be in pain, right. and it's it, and their their life won't be worth the the financial hardship and the emotional toll that it takes on us, mm-hmm. knowing, oh my God, my beloved has cancer and is going to die, and they don't know it because they're just freewheeling, you know, right. and you know she slowed down a little bit, but it was a pretty good year. I took her to all her favorite places. We had we had a great year, mm-hmm. and. It was a lot of money. It took me a long time to pay off. Mm-hmm. Nobody was doing GoFundMe back then. Yeah. Not that I would have, but yeah. I mean, it took me a long time to pay off. And I guess for a couple minutes, I, I second guessed it, but I'm glad I did it. Yeah. My second dog went faster. Beaker. Yeah. He was only four. Oh, cute. A week. 
Mm. From, hey, he has a weird cough, to he passed away at the emergency vet. Mm. It was the worst week of my life. I can't even remember him anymore because my mind has blocked out Mm. all the little nuances about him and what he was like. Mm. Tell me, like, you know, oh, we used to play fetch with him. And I'd be like, did we? Mm. It's really odd. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Traumatic. Yeah, totally. Mm -hmm. What kind of dog was he? He was a bug. A bug? A beagle pug? A um, Boston pug? A Boston pug. Okay. I got him at the Humane Society when I came to drop off a check that we had done this big benefit for them. Yeah. And I came to drop off the check and I was like, maybe I'll just take a walk through the kennels. Uh Uh-huh. And I went... I went in the area that I wasn't supposed to go, which is where they keep, they stash the good dogs. Oh. I have a secret. (laughs) They stash the dogs that they take on TV shows in this special corridor. Mm. The dogs that are like super extra cute. There's just extra dogs back there. So I go walking through a maze of corridors and I'd been volunteering there. So I was allowed to walk freely. And I saw this little freaky looking mutt, just the craziest looking dog. He looked like he was a Dr. Seuss character. Yeah. Like the dog that the Lorax would have. And I was just like, I'll take him. Yeah. He was an amazing, funny, sweet dog. And I loved him very much. And at four, to lose a dog. Yeah. That unexpected. And it was very aggressive. And it was terrible. Mm -hmm. I remember the last day. Mm -hmm. And that was terrible. Mm -hmm. It was a nightmare. So I didn't even get a chance to treat him. But you're right. It rears its head in all different ways. And you make hard choices all the time. Mm -hmm. Go with what your vet says. And go with what you feel good about, right? Yeah. I um, I end up talking to a lot of people who are going through it or in the grief process. I've done a lot of shows about pet loss and grief. Oh, God. Um, but I, I just say, like, trust your intuition. Yeah. You know, get information, um, get educated, and then ultimately trust trust yourself because nobody knows your dog better than you do right and your dog trusts you right your dog would want you to make the, to make that call regardless of what it is because obviously i mean you know for folks like us having this conversation on this show mm-hmm. we are putting our dogs at least hopefully putting them first right um and not being selfish about like well i'll miss my dog so i want him yeah. or her around yeah hang totally. on hang on hang on hang on yeah yeah, yeah. it's exactly. tough though it's tough you oh know? my god we've terrible. been you've been through it. i've been through it it's i don't i'm always like i all i can say is that i know it sucks yeah yeah i know brutal and for those of us who have multiple dogs and adopt old dogs and whatever it happens yeah. more and more but you know i i always remind people that they are with us for a brief portion of our lives and we have to be prepared from the day they come in the door mm-hmm. that they're not going to live until our last day. Mm-hmm. I mean, I guess it doesn't make it easier, but on some level you have to be prepared to live, to outlive them. Part of the deal. Part of the deal. That's mm-hmm. the deal that we make. Have you seen that short? It's like seven or eight minutes and it's called Denali. And it's a guy, I think he he's somehow associated with Patagonia. Hmm. And it's... Is it about a dog dying? Because I don't watch those on purpose. It's it's not about it's kind of their story together. Oh, it's worth it. Really? I don't. I'm not a seeker of like upsetting things. I'm like I got enough going on in real life yeah, to I know, like right? go and like want to watch this or that. Yeah, this is beautiful. I'll send it to you. All right, send it to me. I do recommend it, and you will cry. Well, then no, I don't want to watch. If the dog dies at the end, I'm not going to watch that on purpose. Yeah, I learned my lesson. It's many times. It's it's like after. It's not like you're waiting for that. It's just not set up that way. All right. Well, I'll watch it if you recommend it. And then if it's terrible, then you owe me $10. Okay. All right. Deal. Deal. You have to shake on it. Okay. All right. We just shook. 10 bucks. All right.
What happens if you're, it's like the best thing you've ever seen? Do I get $10? Nope. Okay. That's fine. <laughs> I get to be right. <laughs> that should be good enough, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. So you would just came out loving dogs. Yep. Born that way. Yeah. I kind of, when I was in high school, I would like read books about dog, you know, dog behavior, how dogs think. I was always interested in it, but I didn't always know why they act like how they act yeah. and why. What's it like to be a dog? But I mm-hmm. wasn't like, I want to work with dog training and behavior, you know, because there's not really a set path for that anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, did you know, like, when did you know you wanted to be in radio or did you or did it just kind of happen? Hmm. Um, it just kind of happened. I was a journalism major, a broadcast journalism major at Ohio State, uh, but secretly I just wanted to be on Saturday Night Live, and I had to figure out how I was going to get there. So I was like, oh, okay, broadcast journalism, and I'll transition from the news to whatever. And we all broadcast journalism majors had to get an internship. And so most of the people I was working with went to the Columbus Dispatch, which was the Seattle Times of uh, where I was. And I thought, well, because I was a huge music fan, uh, alternative music specifically, huge music fan, always was. And I was like, can I get credit for working in radio? And they said yes, and that nobody had thought of that. And so, because there was a radio program also for people who wanted to get into radio. So I guess all those people were over there. I was not in that program because mm. I never thought about being in radio. Um, and so I started working at a really cool alternative station in Columbus called CD101. And it was privately owned, which means that it wasn't owned by a large corporation. Not that there's anything wrong with that. But... It meant that we all were kind of in it together. Everybody hung out together. There was no man to answer to, no shareholders. We all just kind of enjoyed what we were doing. It was a great place to learn. So I went from doing promotions and getting an internship credit to picking up a weekend shift and doing commercials. Hey, you have a cool voice. You want to do some commercials? I was like, yeah, I guess so. And it was a little bit deeper back then because I was a cigarette smoker. <laughs> so a little bit more down here. <laughs> and uh, And then I was doing weekend shifts and... I was a Jew, so I'd work on Christmas, and I was doing overnights and fill-ins and all sorts of stuff. And then their morning show imploded, and I was there to pick up the pieces and started doing mornings back when I was 22. Mm. Yeah. And then I was like, this is this is ridiculous. Can I get paid to do this? <laughs> oh, my God. It's amazing. Yeah. And then I got a job uh, in Seattle, and I moved out here. And say la vie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so now I don't have any skills, really, in life, uh, but I can BS. So that's good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it also has made it uh, very easy to be a great dog owner because I'm home for most of the day and can take my dogs for a walk every single day, a long walk, uh, sometimes two. So it's Which never been Which is totally issue. legit because you're out with dogs. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Um, it was interesting. So I was like, we, co- we connected on Facebook fairly recently. Yeah. And then it was like, Within that week was that happy hour that I had with Danielle. Uh-huh. And she was like, do you know Jody Brothers? And I was like, we recently became friends on Facebook. So, yes, we know each other very well, yeah. of course. Our sons uh, are friends. Yeah. Her son is adorable. I took him to the zoo recently. Yeah. Um, and I forgot what I was going to talk. I forgot what I was going to say about that. But it probably would have been amazing and hilarious. It's going to come back. Sure. When it comes back, just drop it down. Yeah. Yeah. We'll bat it around. Um. So, was it about Danielle? Dang. Radio, you, she asked you if you knew me. You said we recently connected. And then she said... Whatever. Nah, screw it. Who cares what she said? Oh, 
Well, no, I I've um, I wrote it down because I'm smart yep. and I prepare. Mm-hmm. So that's helpful. Um, one of the things that. So I was like after a f- some months of being connected and through social media, mm-hmm. but I've listened to you, like as I said earlier, for years. Um, I was like. Why wouldn't I ask her to be on the show with me? She loves. Do- it was kind of like, do. you know. Perfect connection. So I did. And you were like, yes. And then I was like, great. You know, what are your questions about your dogs? You know, because that's what most that's what I do when I'm not doing the radio shows. My my expertise is in training and behavior. And that's why most people, you know, it's like you're at a party or you're in. It's like, oh, you're work with dog behavior. Why does my dog do this? My dog. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, I'm not working, you know. Yeah. So I was like, you know, great. What are your questions? And you're like, my dogs really don't have any issues. Yeah. So I was like, cool. Um, so oftentimes in working with dog behavior, there's uh, some mirroring that happens. Mm-hmm. Or not to say that people are the cause. No, that's too, too much of a generalization to say that people are like the cause or source of their dog's issues. But there's oftentimes at least some mirroring or perhaps their behavior's give us an opportunity to look at aspects of ourselves to improve. Mm-hmm. Uh, P- Patricia McConnell, are you familiar with her? I don't she, think so. She's a um, big name in like dog training and behavior. Mm-hmm. And um, her most recent book is about her dog's sort of hypervigilant, overreactive behavior that really brought up her um, post-traumatic stress disorder and basically caused her to heal herself in order oh. to. That's an extreme case, yeah. but a good a good one. Um, and she's awesome otherwise. But um, so I was like, huh. And I was talking to my wife about this, um, who thought when I said your name sh- that I was going to have Joyce Brothers on. Oh, Dr. Joyce Brothers. Yeah, that's right. I was like, no. That's amazing. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Drag her old butt up here. Different Talk person. About dogs. Different person. <laughs> um, but so your dogs are are great. So I... It, I wonder, you know, well, you get to be home with them a lot. They get lots of walks. Mm-hmm. Do you feel like you're, you you have a strong presence? I do. You seem confident. I'm the alpha for sure. Right? Yeah. So I was kind of thinking, and um, Darcy, my wife, we, t- we were talking about this before, um, earlier today. <clears throat> well, you have dogs who don't really have anything wrong, you know, they're dogs. Yeah. So do you take any responsibility for that? Well, I should correct I should correct what I said or how or how it came off. They're not perfect. Well, nobody's perfect. But I like them how they are. Great. You know, they're they're terriers. Yeah. I I tend towards like the um, you know, dumpster dog, underbite, scrappy looking. That's what I'm attracted to. Always has been. And I usually have two of those. And the way it's worked out is because I go and get them from the shelter and then I just happen to have a picker where I find, I just know in the way that you know when you're at the shelter looking for a dog, when you're ready for a pet, you've lost one and then you decide, okay, time to get a dog. And then you see the one that you want for whatever reason. My picker identifies dogs that are loyal to me immediately. They learn their names. They don't need leashes. They're just smart enough to know to stick with me right away. Mm -hmm. And that's really the only thing that I ever want them to know. Don't run away from me. Don't chase a squirrel across the street. I want to be able to go to the off-leash dog park, 
I don't want you to leave the yard. Like if somebody flung my front door open and the front gate, my dogs wouldn't run away. That's all I ask of them. If I had a dog that was not good like that, I probably would invest some time and not be so lazy and train them in whatever way was the best way. But as far as like sitting at the corner, sitting for treats, roll over, you know, knowing different tricks and stuff, I don't care about that. I kind of like them to freewheel and be themselves. I like their little personalities. One of my dogs is a Buddha. His name's Fletch. He's amazing. Anyone can pet him. He loves everyone. He'll go up to everyone. Ten kids can pet him at once. He is very sweet, somewhat submissive, adorable dog. And then there's Squiggy, and he will take you out. Like, he is a bad dog. (laughs) But I love him because he's perfect the way he is. Does that make sense? Totally. He barks at people when they come to the front door. He He rips open UPS boxes if they're thrown in over the fence because there's a very serious beware of dog sign on my front porch, and there should be. Because if you come in the yard unexpected, you see Squiggy because he comes flying out the pet door so fast. Should I stop that behavior? I don't know. Maybe. I think it's pretty funny when I come home and the bark box is ripped open and, you know, the treats are exposed. Well, that's his anyway. I know, right? (laughs) I mean, they're they're not perfect, but I guess part of the way I run the household and, and am a companion to the dogs is that I like who they are. I like them to have their funny personalities. I'm not interested in having a great dog that does 15 tricks. I, I prefer my dogs the way they are. Mm-hmm. It just so happens that Fletch is amazing and that Squeaky is a, a bit of a pill sometimes, but he's my pill and he's the sweetest, most cuddly, most amazing dog of all time. And he listens to you. Very well. Oh, he aims yeah. to please. Yeah. Very much so. So the thing that's, um, I totally get it, and people are often, <clears throat> um, we had some friends over, uh, we have a little back area of our house that's covered, and we hang out there oftentimes in the evening and bring the goats out or um, have the dogs out or whatever, and <clears throat> our female cattle dog who's old and a bitch. Mm-hmm. And a power, I mean, she's she's a force to be reckoned with. Yeah. And she's more Darcy's dog. Yeah. Um, she came out, and then Darcy was like, okay, Telly, let's, you know, come on. And Telly was like, I'm not going back inside. That's it. I'm outside. She laid down. Mm-hmm. So she just, mm, and makes herself weigh, you know, 80 pounds mm-hmm. when she actually only weighs like 35. But she's impossible to move when she does that. It's yeah. like a superpower or something. Double your body weight. Go, you know? Mm-hmm. And our guest, the one in particular who has hired us, <laughs> was like, right. oh, yeah, you have to have the best dogs, don't you? She was you? like, this is so amusing to me. Yeah. And, I, like, we've never claimed to have perfect dogs. And I never, uh, it's not anything that I would ever even promote. And... Training, I mean, some I, you know, work with a lot of dogs that have issues and need help. So then we have to talk about structure and training and engaging the dog's brain and all this kind of stuff. So we have to go there. But in any case, it should not take away from the dog's personality. Yeah. I mean, you know, I'm sure a lot of people struggle with a lot of different issues. What are the issues that you mostly train, like resource guarding, walking on a leash properly? Leash reactive behavior towards other dogs specifically. Yeah. And separation anxiety. Oh, yeah. Um, I, I Like, so, so much, so much. It's the anxiety, and it's getting worse as I feel like as, I mean, I think I'm seeing more of the harder dogs as I get better. I've been doing it for 15 years. Yeah. 
So I think I'm seeing more of the harder dogs than I used to, but I also, there's also, I mean, genetic traits for, I mean, separation distress is actually an emotional center of the brain. That's a genetic trait. And I think there's definitely a breeding component to it as well. And then there's just dogs who, so many dogs are going through something that would uh, maybe set off a genetic predisposition, you know, bounced from rescue to rescue right. or, or stray and then, you know, who knows what. So they're, they're coming with this experience of like, you know, oh, and when I find the one that is like my survival, mm-hmm. I'm now insecure that like I'm not going to have them forever. So, you know, it makes a lot of sense. We work with that a lot. Yeah. And don't you think that maybe you're seeing a lot of those dogs more because, uh, and forgive me for asking you questions because I know you're not the one to, I'm supposed to ask you questions. No. I am. Well, so don't you think that a lot of people, there's more rescues and there's more rescue awareness for people like, say, my parents who didn't know anything about dogs, didn't care about dogs. Their kid wanted a dog, so they went to a breeder. That was old school thinking. New school thinking is it's better to go to a rescue. And so there are all these people who don't know much about dogs who are getting dogs from rescues and want them to be perfect right away, want to bring them home and have them turnkey. Mm -hmm. And that's not what it's like. Mm -hmm. I mean... Sometimes it doesn't take much and sometimes it takes a lot. But I think that people, more people are, are rescuing dogs rather than buying from breeders. And and maybe that's why, you know, you feel like they're getting worse. But maybe you're just seeing more. So it is definitely popular thought that rescues are a better way to go as far as welfare or the, the industry of dogs. And the reality is that dogs are a product. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a book called The Dog Merchants written by Kim Cavan. That's one of the most important books written about our life with dogs. And it, it really gets into the industry of dogs. And she really gets at, it's not, so there's the two sides sort of pointing at each other, which always gets real far in resolving conflict, right? Rescues are like, breeders are bad, and the breeders are like, rescues are, you know, and it's just pointing fingers across the line. And actually, there's, great breeders who are responsible and do a great job and and are careful and all that stuff. And then there's terrible breeders, Mm -hmm. puppy mills. And puppy mill is such an umbrella term now. Like you could live in a house in Monroe and be a puppy mill and you could have a factory farm in Iowa and be a puppy mill. Yep. And then there's also rescue groups who are do an amazing job. And then there's rescue groups that are shady. Yeah. And really horrible yeah so it's um so that book anyone if you're listening and you want to you know 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 more about that the dog merchants by kim cavan she researched the crap out of this went to the auctions went to the and it's very very well done and it makes a lot of sense to me sure um but yeah i mean i think when you were nine and getting a dog there there wasn't all of i mean the industry was so different yeah and I do think that there were less rescues. There were less dogs. Yeah. And dogs were different genetically. And I think that's a huge component. Yeah. And my sister was allergic to dogs. And so we needed, you know, something specific. And there were no doodles, doodles back then. Yeah. There was just terriers or, or a poodle. Right. And my parents, you know, didn't know anything about it. And so just picked one. Yeah. Those, Worked out great. Those were the days. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. Well, let's take a quick break. And we're going to come back in just a few minutes talking with Jody Brothers. So great to have you here. You're listening to The Dog Show with Julie Forbes. God loves a 
terrier. Yes, he does. God loves a terrier. That's because small, sturdy, bright, and true. They give their love to you. God didn't miss a Looking for an easy way to give your dog's food a boost in nutrition? Or maybe your dog has a sensitive digestive tract, itchy skin, or is just a picky eater. We've had such great success feeding St. John Creamery raw goat's milk to our pack, and I recommend it to my clients all the time. You can get raw goat's milk for your dog all over the country, but if you live in Western Washington, be sure it's St. John Creamery you reach for in the freezer section of your local independent pet supply store. You can also pick up your milk at drop locations around the area. Visit stjohncreamery.com to learn more. That's stjohncreamery.com. Your dogs will love you for it. This is Martha Norwalk. Every Sunday morning, beginning at 9 a.m., thanks in part to best practitioner, Dr. Nels Rasmussen, we cover the world of animals. This week, September 24th, it's an encore of Behavior Training and Healing Sunday with me. You'll hear my tribute to a great man and healer, Dr. Al Pleckner. I share his and our story, explain the syndrome that he discovered, his books and resources. No one about this can save lives. Martha Norwalk's Animal World, Sunday morning, 9 a.m. to noon, right here on Alternative Talk, a.m. 1150. Eric, people ask me to help them with all sorts of doggy challenges. I can only imagine. Oh yeah, dogs jumping on guests, new puppy questions, behavioral challenges like fear and aggression, even dog food sensitivities, you name it, and I've probably worked with it. But can you help people even if they don't live in Seattle? Absolutely. I've had great success with phone consultations and have even Skyped with people and their dogs from all over the country. Every dog should be approached as a unique individual. I've talked about this over and over again on the show. That's one of the parts of working with dog training and behavior that I love the most. Every client is different. If you're listening and you need help with your dog, just get in touch. I'd love to get you pointed in the right direction and answer all of your questions. Email me, host at dogradioshow.com. That's me, Julie Forbes, host at dogradioshow.com. I look forward to connecting. Wait, dogs can use Skype? We're really living in the future. <laughs> Alternative Talk 1150. And now back to the dog show with Julie Forbes. When he made the Norwich merrier with its cute little derrier. Yes, God loves a terrier. That was for you. Thank you. I appreciate that. Mm -hmm. I'm assuming you've seen that movie. Only 85,000 times. Then I was going to say, how many times? <laughs> so many. And every time it's on, I'm like, this is a good idea. <laughs> yeah. It's never not funny. No. Yeah. Best intro. I almost literally almost fell out of my chair in the theater when I saw it for the first time. And it was one of those things where like, it was kind of like Bridesmaids, I think, where I had no expectation. I was uh -huh. just like, I'm just going to go see this movie. Yeah. And I was like dying. Yeah. It's hilarious. And there's something about not having the expectation because then I talk it up like crazy and then it kind of changes the dynamic because then somebody goes and is expecting it to be the funniest movie they've ever seen. And that's, I think the, there's an element of surprise where you're like, what, where is this coming from? What am I watching? Are you kidding me? Yeah. Plus, I mean, if you're a Christopher Guest fan, then seeing them all interact with, with all the dogs, the Weimaraner and the Bloodhound and the Carnitary and all of them. Yeah. It's just like, that's also hilarious. Yeah. You know, the fact that people that you love and, and appreciate in movies yeah. acting with dogs is great. Yeah. I have you down for a queen. What are you suggesting? 
So many. So many. So many. <laughs> Such a great. So, of course, we're referencing Best in Show. Sort of assumed that anybody listening to this has seen that movie. But if you haven't, watch it tonight. If you haven't, how do you even finish that sentence? I don't know. What have you been doing if you haven't seen that movie? What have you been doing? That's... I would like to have a list of the movies that you've seen in the last 10 years. I want None. to tick it off. None. Yeah. Yeah. Or like Fast and the Furious or whatever. Yeah. And then we're just going to, I don't know. I don't know if we continue after that. Is there anybody out there listening who's listening to this show who has not seen Best in Show? Please get in touch with me. Yeah. We'll just send, out of curiosity. Julie's going to send you her copy and you can borrow it. <laughs> yeah. We'll, we'll pass it around the world. Host <laughs> at dogradioshow.com. Yeah. Let me know. I'd really be curious. I'm sure. Sure. But most people have seen that movie. And most people have seen it like more yeah. times than you can count. Mm-hmm. And it is always funny. Always. Every time. Yeah. So good. Um, so what, I know that you came, you know, you were born loving dogs and, and, but what is it specifically about dogs that you connect with? Like, what do they bring to your life? Hmm. What don't they bring to your life? I mean, okay. So you take anybody who's an entertainer, whether that's what you do for a living or whether that's just your personality type. And it's uh, it's impactful on your well-being. You feel like a clown. You feel like you want to be around people and also simultaneously be away from them. And quiet moments are really important. Mm. But I prefer moments with dogs than quiet moments alone. Like I, don't, I would, would choose a perfect day for myself would be to, you know... Hike with my dogs, be in the wilderness, be with my dogs always. I don't take vacations and exclude my dogs. I just, I don't know why I would do that. I was saying to a friend the other day who was going to um, a place called Seabrook. Have you been to Seabrook? It's like Pleasantville down on the Washington coast. Yeah, it's just north of Ocean Shores. Yeah, it's supposed to be really nice. And there's lots of houses that you can rent there with dogs. And my friend has a dog that she loves and takes good care of. And I was like, oh, so you're bringing, I'm not going to say who it is. But so you're bringing your dog and she was just like, no. And I like, I don't get that. Mm-hmm. I know it's more annoying. I know it's hard, especially for those of us who have kids. You have your kids to worry about. You have extra stuff to worry about. But I just don't go anywhere without my dogs. Maybe that's why I'm not supposed to have big dogs like Great Danes or Newfoundlands, although I admire them from afar. But especially with little dogs, I can't think of one reason why I wouldn't want the company of an animal. Maybe I don't I don't know what it is. They just make so much sense to me. They if you want to go for a walk they're like that's a fantastic idea if you want to sit on the couch that's a fantastic idea <laughs> they're just your best friends and your best companions and I've had so much luck with the dogs that I've chosen in my life save for one who I found on the street so he kind of doesn't count <laughs> and I believe that he had neurological problems mm-hmm. but he experienced no joy and all he did was ruin my carpet he was I thought he was a hundred years old mm. and my vet was like oh, I think he's about nine or ten and I was like no because <laughs> I didn't want to hospice an animal that I just found. Yeah. So I'm not going to say every dog I've ever had has been fantastic, but the ones I've gone and picked have been fantastic. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That one came to you. Ugh. God, that dog. Would you it... ever meet a dog that experienced nothingness? He just didn't react to anything. Huh. He, I feel like he had neurological problems. Sounds I feel like, like something it. happened to him. Yeah. yeah. He was a Japanese chin. He just had this weird blank stare, and he was an old man, and he was somebody's at some point because his nails were trimmed, but he had no microchip and nobody claims. And when I put 
pictures up everywhere. And in the end, I just kept him. And all he did, he just peed everywhere in the last room where I had, where I had decent carpet. <laughs> it's the problem with those hospice dogs, you know. You just can't have carpet. No. But I don't know. I mean, uh, for me, I like the idea of... Um, I like the idea of having two dogs always. I can't imagine a time where I won't have two. Mm-hmm. Two, perfect. Yeah. For myself and for them, for each other. Yeah. Yeah. Totally get that. We just had this conversation with a client. And we're the wrong people to ask. Like, what do you think about getting a second dog? And we're like, well, we had six at one point. So yeah. Maybe don't ask us about it. But but it is nice. I think it's nice. If I was a dog, I would want to live with another dog along with my humans. Yeah. You know, because then you can dog it around and then, you know, have the human thing, too. Yeah. I think I could be a three or four dog person. I could build one of those little tiny terrier dream teams, except my best friend's dog is always at my house and she's a rather bitchy, large lab mm. and she's 10 and I love her and she loves my little dogs, but she doesn't love all dogs. Yeah. So it's a whole thing. Yeah. I mean, how do you deal with that? Like, I would foster way more dogs. But it's so much effort, and then she can't come to my house, and it's just so hard on the mechanics of my household. Mm-hmm. You must just have all dogs that like other dogs. Um, no. I mean, you, you have to be careful with bitches. Yeah. Do you separate them and take turns? I mean, that seems In so general. hard. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's about managing, setting mm-hmm. up for success. Um. You know, I mean, our life is animals and dogs. Yeah. And our our home is set up. We're now I'm fully based at home. I used to travel to people's houses and do lessons. Stopped that a year ago. Yeah. Best thing I ever did. Other people's houses. And... For lessons. Yeah. yeah. I was driving all over the place. Mm-hmm. I'm like, this is not a good use of my time. Yeah. In the car. Have people come to me. I can actually help more people. Plus, don't you have more success when you take the dog out of the place that it's, you know, guarding or guarding its person or its stuff not necessarily because it's sort of this there's this thought of like well you get to see the dog where they're comfortable so you're getting to see what the owner is dealing with yeah um and i wasn't quite sure how it was going to go but it really um seeing people in home or even doing skype or phone consultations for people around the country i've worked with so many dogs do you skype with dogs they're oftentimes they're you know they're there (laughs) you know that's funny or people will send me videos of like a, a questionable, like, here's the interaction I'm asking you about. We captured it on video so then I can, if there's a tone of bark that I want to hear or whatever, you know. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, much better. But yeah, so multiple dogs. I mean, old bitches are tough. Yeah. And they, you know. Yeah, she doesn't like happy dogs. She doesn't like puppies. She doesn't like being run up on. And I'm not going to foster a dog in my house so that. Her name's Friday, so I'll just call her by name. So that Friday can't come over anymore. She's over all the time. Yeah. And my pack is Friday and my two dogs. Mm-hmm. We're always together. We're always doing stuff. So that's my hiking gang. I take Friday sometimes away for the weekend, yeah. even if my friend doesn't come, you know. Yeah. And uh, I just, I don't know. I think that it's wrong to do to a foster dog and it's wrong to do to Friday also, you know. Yeah. That's, that's not cool. If a foster dog comes into my house, I want them to have the run of the place. I don't want to have to seclude them somewhere. Yeah. So it just... I don't know. It feels wrong to me. Well, you kind of have three dogs, sort of. Yeah. Because you have, like, this third dog often anyway. Yeah. So you sort of have three dogs. Yeah. The labs really aren't for me, I don't think. All that shedding. Yeah, that's one thing that's great shed. about terriers, man. I love that. I love Friday, but I don't like tumbleweeds of hair everywhere. We have two labs. No thanks. So they are, there's just a, my, they're magic. 
Are they magic? Ugh. I love her, but I don't love that hair. I agree with you. Yeah. Hair everywhere. Hair everywhere. We travel out of town. We'll be like in Boston or something. Hair. You know, dog. Oh, there's, you know, JJ, especially the yellow lab is yeah. the worst. I know, but look at me. No hair. So, I know. And somehow, I think because this just came out of the wash. Yeah. I somehow don't have. That's weird, though. That is weird. It's really weird. I'm not making it up. Fair enough. Um, so let's see. I was going to ask you if you've ever done stand-up comedy, and you said you did already. Yeah. Yeah, I did when I was younger. I wanted to try it, and I did a, an open mic night when I was in Columbus when I was about 20 after I was watching Jeanine Garofalo, one of my favorite stand-ups, and she said that she first did stand-up when she was 27. And I was like, well, I could do it. I, I'm not too late to this game. So I went to an open mic night, and I went with my friend Lauren, and she, we, uh, we watched a guy do stand-up about being a pizza delivery guy. And his whole two-minute shtick was, I don't know why people ask me if I have extra pizzas. They're always yelling out the window, you got any extra pizzas? No. All these pizzas are accounted for. I'm, de I'm delivering them to houses. Like, that was his whole deal. And I thought to myself, if this guy has the cojones to get on stage and do two minutes on being a pizza delivery guy and not one thing he said was even remotely funny, I could at least give it a shot. And at the time, I had Bill Clinton, Monica Lewinsky. I had the Spice Girls. I had a lot going on. <laughs> And I, it was pretty easy. And um, I did it. Uh, I did it for a couple of years. But then I realized I was going to have to start traveling a lot because that's what you do. Yeah. You do local and then you start booking gigs in adjacent states. Yeah. And I thought, uh, no, I don't really want to do that. So I started doing improv with other people. And then when I got into radio and I was doing a morning show, that made sense. I prefer working with other people. I prefer bouncing, you know, the hilarity with somebody else instead of just being on stage. I did it. I can do it if I want to again. I don't I don't think I will. Plus, my humor tends to be a little blue. Um, what do you mean by that? Dirty. Okay. Yeah. And, I mean, that's the things I like to joke about. That's where I used to tend to go. And uh, I don't know. I don't know if uh, I don't know if I want to get into that again. It's just not it's not my jam. But I do a lot of events where I host uh, events. And so if there's a microphone in my hand, it kind of feels like stand up after all. Yeah. Yeah. Well, your humor certainly comes out on radio. Thank you. Yeah. It ought to. Yeah. Otherwise, they will stop paying me. <laughs> Although it is harder, you know, for sure, because you only have a limited time. I'm not doing a talk show. I do a music-based show. So we only have like 30 seconds. Yeah. And you don't know what your partner is going to say. Yeah. And so it's it's more of a challenge, I think, mm -hmm. to do that kind of that kind of show than do stand-up. Although stand-up was great. Yeah. My, last, my first paying gig, you'll appreciate this, was at a strip club in Reynoldsburg, Ohio. <laughs> which is not a nice town <laughs> in Ohio. And uh, the strip club was empty. And again, it was my friend Lauren who went with me. They were going to pay me $50. It was my 21st birthday. And I was so excited because I was like, I somebody's going to pay me to do this. We're going. So I drove half an hour with Lauren to get to this place. And it's in my Bill Clinton routine on one of the stages with the pole. Because I, I don't know why they had a comedian. I don't know what the point was. I was wearing this orange pleather jacket and the guy handed me a $50 bill and three of the strippers had C-section scars. And I was like, I am a comedian. <laughs> I made it. I have a $50 bill. It smells weird in here. Lord's crying. You know, this is great. They hated my stand-up. Nobody laughed. I had the time of my life. And that was the first time I got paid and the last time I did it. It's interesting that, that you didn't take that personally. You were like, I am, I am here. I made it. 
<laughs> Take what personally? Look the the angry well strippers went. not laughing look at me. Look how well it went. Oh, those women were very sad, and it was like eight o'clock in the evening, yeah. so nobody was in there to pay them. And here I come with my stupid jacket. I remember it. <laughs> it was so cool, and I was just like, I'm the comedian. Like I was so excited for myself, you know. Mm. And then he just he goes, all right, just stand here. And just do your bit. And the microphone was the mic that the guy was going, all right, welcome to the center stage, you know, Crystal or whatever. Eight of them were named Crystal. And it was a dirty mic with spittle in it and and little particles. Were they, were they, were they, were all the crystals around you during your routine? Yes. Like, and they were pissed. Yep. They were actually performing. No. Oh, okay. They were just there. Like waiting. No, they were just there waiting. Okay. In their nothing outfit. Okay, got it. With their scars. <laughs> And there was nobody in there except uh, Lauren and I. And that was during a time before cell phone videos and, yeah. and photos, unfortunately, because <laughs> I would love to see that. <laughs> oh, no. I'm so glad that none of it exists. <laughs> Although you're, I don't really think I need it, actually, because the, the story is great. Right? Yeah. I mean, you could see it. I was so excited. Yeah. And 50 sweaty dollars. Yeah. Oh, it was worth it. It was yeah. all worth it. Yeah. Um, do you consider yourself an introvert or extrovert? I'm an extrovert. Definitely. Who needs her quiet time. You have to decompress. Yeah. A lot of people who are in entertainment, you know, not even just making people laugh, but people who um, have a persona or some sort of expectation from people. So people who work in the news media or people who are on radio or people who do podcasts or people who do anything. You have to um, you have to have some self-care time where you're not having to entertain anybody. Yeah. And even your friends, you know, who don't expect you to entertain them, it's still somewhere in your system like tap dance, tap dance, tap dance. I never stop. Uh, and it's unfortunate. So that's why, I mean, when I say I got to get into the woods with the dogs, I got to get into the woods with the dogs. Like next week I'm, I'm doing four different events where I'm hosting four different events in a row and I'm going to meet amazing, wonderful people who I want to meet, who I want to talk to and be kind to and and selflessly listen and all this stuff. And I also want to make them laugh because that's the expectation. But it's exhausting. Yeah. Hard to explain. Mm -hmm. It's exhaust. It's exhausting. Yeah. To, you know, have to do all that. And so to be able to come home and just sit quietly with the dogs and, you know, have Squiggy. He does this thing where he pulls my hand to his body. My lab does that constantly yeah. like and he sits up like a man and he just yeah. pulls his hand to my body. I have to keep petting him. Yeah. And it's annoying, but I love him so much. Yeah. And that's just what I want to do. Yeah. Yeah. There's um something about dogs that and animals in general, I think. But um, something about dogs that gives us an opportunity to be present mm -hmm. and slow down. Yeah. And not have it be all about words. Yeah. It's actually not at all about words. I mean, they can learn hundreds of words on average, but it's not their language. It's yeah. about being with. And then there's the whole no expectation. They're just like, you're you're perfect. Just yeah. Like you said, if we're, we're going to do this, awesome. Are we in the bathroom? Great. Doing this? Great. Yeah. Can we come? <laughs> yeah. Can we sit here? Yeah. I just love them. Yeah. They love you too, it sounds like. Oh, they're great. Yeah. Yeah, I'm extroverted for sure. Mm -hmm. And I also have ADD. And so mm -hmm. I have a hard time actually stopping yeah and then and then i'll but then i'll get burnt out if i don't right but there's ways for me like dancing actually is very that's where i just get into myself and in my body i'm being physical but i'm <clears throat> i'm just with with myself and that's actually a way that i 
I just sort of self-care. Yeah. But being quiet, watching football is a way for me to sit still, but it's Mm -hmm. hard for me to actually sit still. And it's interesting, too, because I did just finish writing a book, which which requires a lot of sitting still. I bet. Not easy. I bet. Congratulations, by the way. Thank you. Writing a book's a pretty big deal. Yeah. Five and a half years, I think. It's exciting. Are you gonna Are you gonna get it published? Are you gonna sign me a copy? Oh yeah. Remember to sign it number four forty seven. I will because that's this episode. Yes. This is number four forty seven. The that's book me. is actually all about you. Is it? Yeah. That's so weird. You and your dogs. Yeah. <laughs> Was that you taking pictures? Five and a half years. I've been working on it. God, not. Yeah, a I'm surprise. a huge fan. I know. Huge it. fan. I know it. Mm-hmm. What are you gonna do? I was actually gonna ask you to maybe consider writing a, you know. A forward. Mm-hmm. <laughs> now this that it's bu- done. This weird book <laughs> is five and a half years of Julie stalking me <laughs> and being weird. So here you go. Have mm-hmm. at it. I'm asking you all these questions about your life like I don't know. Mm. Like the Westie. Yeah. No. You I, didn't know that? No, no. Nobody could know that. Know that. Nobody could know that. Mm-hmm. That was Misty. Yeah. Yeah. No, it is. It's about uh, my experience of in life as myself, working with mostly women and their dogs, teaching them how to communicate with their dogs and what that has taught me and them about themselves in a way that's uh, empowering and can help all relationships. That's very exciting. Can't wait to read it. Great. Thank you. Yeah. Can't wait to get it published. Is it written in English? I only (laughs) I can only read English. Um, yes. Great. Yeah, that's my only language. Well, aside from dog, but that dog. wouldn't be written. Do you feel like you speak dog? Yeah. Fluently. Yeah. Yeah. Me too. Yeah. Not fluently. But I feel like I understand what my dog is Natural. Saying. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. It's There's so a obvious. lot there. Yeah. There's a lot there. Yeah, they give you a lot to work with. You just have to like... You have to be so self-aware. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Of everything but the words. And we tend to be blah, 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 you know, mm-hmm. fast, 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 especially with technology. Yep. And it's just like, okay, slow, you know, down, 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 down. It's like, whoa. Mm-hmm. Would you want to be asked to do something that way? No. No. Okay, stand up, stand up, come on, stand up, stand up, stand up right now. Let's take a picture. Take it, you know, it's like, slow it down. I know. Some people have some such great dogs and they don't even know it. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. It's, oh, I'm sure I could get you started. <laughs> you probably see, don't, and you can't say because I know that these are paying customers, but maybe off, off podcast you'll tell me the most ridiculous person that you ever met. Can you use a... I've got some stories. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But like some sort of like expectation of an animal that was completely outrageous. Like I've got a good I want one. her to drop me off at work in the morning and drive the car home. Most, most of my clients are um, amazing I love, I somehow have amazing, amazing, amazing clients, but I have been, I've worked with literally thousands of dogs over 15 years. So I do have some, I'm like, really? Yeah. <clears throat> Off air. Yeah. Which brings us actually to the end of the show. Is now when we dance? Yes. All right. <laughs> um, so Saving Great Animals is an organization that you love locally. There's a horse one. Uh, yes. Serenity, Equine Rescue. So why not? Mm-hmm. Um, you are on morning radio. Mm-hmm. 95.7 The Jet. Yep. Every morning. Mm-hmm. If you've not heard her, tune in. Thank you. Six to ten. Such a pleasure to have you here today. It was such a pleasure to be here. Thank you so much. Yeah. Thank you. And thank you for listening to The Dog Show with Julie Forbes. We'll be back next Wednesday live at 2.